We've been talking about recruiting and hiring and engaging people in hospitality for years, but you know what's beneath all of that? Creating a culture of belonging. The very best hospitality leaders I know focus on this because they know that if you welcome people to your teams well and make them feel like they belong, they'll not only stay engaged and do their best work, but they'll help you recruit other talented people. To help you learn how to do this, we're going to be learning from Shelley Brown today and go through a framework she's developed that will help you create a culture of belonging within your organization. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. Shelley Brown is a professional speaker and storyteller. I have a framework that I use that people can apply to help foster a continuous culture of belonging where people feel safe to choose their level of authenticity. In this episode, we're going to cover the importance of belonging and psychological safety, the belonging equation, the weird framework for creating a culture of belonging, and the importance of continually practicing and aligning around values that foster that culture of belonging. But here's Shelley starting out with how she got started with this and some formative experiences for her in hospitality early in her career. So I've always lived my life with this overarching desire to make friends. Who can I make friends with today? And that started in childhood. And when I went to college, I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. And by the way, backtrack this whole, who can I make friends with today is I was the weird girl who didn't fit in. We're all the weird person that didn't fit in, in some way, shape or form. But it was this, this sort of theme that, that followed me throughout my life is this feeling of not belonging, this feeling of not fitting in. And it leads very far into the future of what I do now. But going back, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And I was, I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. That much is true. And a group of people from a big, fancy Chicago hotel were in my bar for happy hour. And they loved me and I loved them. And they said, come work for us. You should come work in the hotel. And I remember as a kid thinking, hotels are so cool and they're so beautiful. And they're sort of like the Disneyland of color and vibrancy and humanity. And there's just something for everybody. And they were magic to me. So I thought, well, okay, I'm going to go work in a hotel. So I applied, they hired me. And much to the delight of my mother, who used to yell at me every day saying, you cannot be a cocktail, which the college degree, to which I would respond, yes, mom, I can. She was happy that I actually had what she considered a legit job, no offense, cocktail waitresses. (laughs) So I worked in this hotel and basically for eight hours a day, I filed keys because back in the day we had metal keys. And I was like, is this all there is? But then... I found out about an opportunity that nobody else wanted. And it was to stand inside the door of my big fancy hotel and welcome everybody who walked in. I'm like, hello, welcome, welcome. It was the Westin Hotel on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. So I loved that. So for eight hours a day, I was a lobby greeter. And I thought it was the best thing ever because I hated filing keys. And 
people would yell at you like if they didn't like their stay, but everybody who walked in the door wanted your help. And it made me feel so good to practice hospitality and welcome them to my hotel. I'm like, cat's bar mitzvah, front desk, bathroom, restaurant, you know, whatever it was. And I loved it. But then I found out that there was another job that would be so perfect for me. And it was the concierge. And I didn't know what a concierge desk was. I didn't know what a concierge was. And for anybody who's listening, back in the day, pre-internet, which was not really that long ago, you went to the concierge for everything. I mean, imagine you don't have a cell phone. You don't have a computer. You can't Google stuff. You need theater tickets. You need dinner reservations. You need directions. You need your flight confirmed. You need to go to the Oprah Winfrey show. We had all the secrets and it was quite the jam and I loved it. And I was one of, at one of the top hotels in the city of Chicago and it was being a professional friend being a concierge was a professional friend and I met all the rock stars and the celebrities and stuff. So it was super fun. But then I was young and I'm like, I don't want to work every weekend. And when you're at such a, such a prestigious hotel and you have personal problems going on to be public facing all day long when you're not, when you're young and you don't necessarily have that emotional resilience. And I was going through, my mother was going through cancer at the time and they didn't have safe spaces for people to go and take a break or, Oh, you know, do you need, do you need a minute? Go in the back. You know, do you need some counseling? Do you need a coach? Do you need therapy? Do you need something to help you through it? It wasn't around and it wasn't, it hasn't been around for that long. And some organizations still don't have those types of things available. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of well-being and a mindfulness educator as well, but we didn't have that stuff available to us. So I left and I went into sales because I was like, oh, I don't have to work every weekend. And I spent several years in hospitality sales. And I think that people had the opportunity, a lot of people during the pandemic had the opportunity to sit back and decide, what do I value? What is in alignment with what I value? And I think people are looking at work for more, not only because of that, but because of the overarching disconnectedness in our world. And I do not want to go into like a whole diatribe about that, but I think there's such a level of disconnection in the world where the last vestiges of where we could truly connect are trickling away. Everybody is wearing these and we're in this bubble of self and we don't say hi in coffee shops. We don't have these organic conversations and so here the pandemic comes, we're already isolated. People are figuring out that, that what their values are. And so they're looking for work for more. And I think there's a huge emphasis on connection and belonging in the workplace, not only because people don't want to be a human performing, they want to be a human being because that's what we are. And Couple that with the fact that we don't have as much connection on the outside. So people want that. They want meaning and purpose. They want connection. They want belonging. I don't believe that people want to bring their whole selves to work. 
and you can we can talk about that one. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about belonging. What what is belonging to you, and and why is it important? I'm not Brene. I have the same last name as her, but we're not related, as far as I know. I've never done the DNA test, but fitting in are the things that we can try to do to, you know, be a part of a group. And belonging is, to me, the feeling of safety. It's a fundamental need. It's the feeling of safety and the feeling that who we are is actually accepted, seen, heard, known. We feel valued. We feel like we matter. That's so important. I'm talking to a lot of people right now about just what does strong organizational culture look like? And it feels this can and should be a bedrock of a culture. <laughs> well, I don't use the word should because I'm writing a book. My next book is called Bullshit, but because we know a lot of the shoulds we we do and yeah, it should be it should be. And a lot of people are a lot of organizations are putting a lot of emphasis on it. But what I really try to help people understand is that belonging is a felt experience. It's not a slogan. And when we take it from a slogan into the human being, it looks like value alignment. It looks like our actions and behaviors map to our value of belonging. And I believe that foundational to belonging at work is psychological safety because you can't have belonging without safety. And I have what I call the belonging equation, which is belonging equals safety. Actually, sorry, safety plus choice equal belonging. When you feel safe, you can choose your level of authenticity in the context of work. And what I mean by that is in addition to diversity and inclusion and equity, this belonging piece has everything to do with, I feel safe and I can express the pieces of myself that I choose to express at work. And I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Not everybody wants to bring their whole selves to work. Some people want a separation between their home self and their work self. But what people want is a choice. And I, that doesn't mean unfiltered. There's a big difference between me putting together Ikea furniture and cursing my head off and being the authentic, creative person who wants to express my preferences and my opinions and my personality. And so that piece of safety is absolutely critical. If you don't have that, people will not feel safe. Just like I didn't feel safe when my mother was going through cancer and I was a concierge and I had to be absolutely perfect behind that concierge desk and didn't have a safe space to go. But so that is the belonging equation that I talk about. That's really good. I wonder if we could share some practical yeah. tips or steps that our listeners might take after listening to this and to bring these ideas and these concepts into their organization? Sure. So to me, belonging is a weird 
W period, E period, I period, R period, D, and that is my framework. And I'll give you the very quick synopsis of what that means. So the W is for welcoming. And welcoming, as we know, is the practice of hospitality, which is not the hospitality industry. It's how we make people feel. And welcoming is very much about noticing the narrative stories, biases, and judgments that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about other people. Because when we can notice those things, we have the opportunity to choose, is this true? Can I be with this and be present anyway? It's kind of like shopping at Amazon when you go to the checkout and you get to explore what's in your cart. You're like, do I need five of these? Do I want to save it? Do I want to, you know, <laughs> delete it? We don't do that with our biases, stories, narratives, and judgments. We walk around this cart full of, of stuff. I call it the bullshit. But anyway, so welcoming is not kumbaya, I love everything I think. Welcoming is I'm welcoming the thoughts and stories, narratives, and biases so that I have a choice about them. And if we say that belonging is important, then we need to notice these things so that we can be present because it's the greatest gift we can give to another that helps them know that we're actually caring for them. So it starts so that, with ourselves and yes, how we're interacting with ourselves. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then it's belonging ecosystem and it starts with us. But the E is for engaging and it is the practice of curiosity. Engaging has everything to do with stepping out of our own story and sitting in the story of somebody else's. And it has all the great things about listening, asking questions, and listening more. And the practice of curiosity, and it doesn't have to look like a five-year-old, why, 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 what, 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 you know? It's, it's, it's seeking to understand you know, and it's also engaging the parts that people want to share with us and not just the parts that we want to see. And then integrating, integrating is integrating mistakes. We all make them. And integrating people is not looking at them like they're the last mistake they made. Integrating is integrating boundaries. We have a 24-7 connected world. And Knowing what people's boundaries are and actually being accountable to hold them and accountable for our own boundaries. There's a lot of things under integrating, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. And then the R is risk-taking, and it has everything to do with our willingness to go first, to be vulnerable, to step you know, to stand up for ourselves, to stand up for other people, to share an unpopular opinion if it's going to serve somebody else, sharing our struggles, triumphs, challenges, if, if it would be helpful for other people, and breaking down the walls to connection much quicker when we're willing to take risks. And then the D is delivering on those aforementioned W-E-I. Ours because delivering puts that value alignment into our actions and behaviors. So that's the nutshell of weird. That's really good. Would you mind speaking a little bit to the, the belonging ecosystem? Sure, sure. So when I talk about the belonging ecosystem, when it comes to work, 
it, it belonging does start with leaders because leaders set the tone for the culture. And when we focus on our own sense of belonging and we make sure that our well-being, we make sure that we have self-awareness and value alignment, and we make sure that we are not disrupting our own sense of belonging. And one of the quickest ways to disrupt it is by making everything about that, about business, about that success, about that goal, about the future, about what we're going to achieve, about those numbers, about the stakeholders, about the end of the year, about the forecast, all those things, those can disrupt us. Those can put a big, huge roadblock into our own sense of belonging and certainly the belongingness for others. So it starts with leaders, making sure that we feel our own sense of belonging and then absolutely aligning our behaviors and our actions with the value of belonging so that we create that safe environment where people feel like they belong. And then everyone else in a culture has to play a part in belongingness as well. It has to do with respect for others. It has to do with everyone on a team creating that safe environment so that when those difficult conversations happen, because they will happen, when there's challenges, when there's uncertainty, when the shit hits the fan, when you've created that safe environment where people feel like they belong, that can help us navigate through the curveballs and the stuff that happens in life and in business. Yeah. So- it's this ecosystem and it's circuitous. I think the only thing that I really want to mention is there's such an overarching emphasis on creating belonging at work. Mm. I think one of the challenges is we know why it matters and we know what can happen when we do foster a culture of belonging. But I think like a lot of other things, if you make it into like a one and done and don't continually put it into practice, it's a continuum. It's not a seminar. It's not a session. It's not a keynote. As much as I would love to say that I get up on stage and all of a sudden everybody feels like they belong. I mean, it's, it's not the truth. I'm inviting people to do some things that can impact your culture over time. And it's like anything else. You don't get from A to Z without B, C, D, all the other letters in between. So fostering a continuous culture means a continuous practice of value alignment of actions and behaviors. And just choosing a couple, it's like you can't eat everything in the restaurant, you have to choose some things. So I would just emphasize that we need to start somewhere by doing a few things every single solitary day. Mm, that's where real change happens, right? Mm-hmm. Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. 
Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on this show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in, whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 